Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. So we continue in our series on uh, the theme of church but unchanged, asking ourselves whether coming to church, being part of a church, does it really change us and change our views on things? As we've looked at the news this week, there's been a lot to worry about, hasn't there? And I'm sure that you've found your prayer life improving as you hear a world leader threatening to use nuclear power. As you see the currency of our nation seemingly go down to an absolute low and thinking, how does this happen? As you see all kinds of securities being pulled away. And we as Christians are challenged to ask the question, so where does our faith lie? What does our trust lie in? Is it kingdoms? Or is it empires? Is it God's kingdom we trust, or is it empires we are trying to build? Unfortunately, the Church of Jesus Christ so often has got in the role of trying to build an empire of all kinds of structures and that superstructures that, you know, end up sometimes falling away. And sadly, in the last few months, we have seen many of the super churches finding themselves full of scandal. Yet Jesus talks about building his kingdom. And the kingdom of Christ, or the kingdom of God, is not a kingdom of huge structures. It's a way of life. It's a way of being. It's a kingdom that is focused on love. On empowering people. It's a kingdom that's full of God's promise to improve the life for the vulnerable. Those who need it. As we heard the first reading from Psalm 46, a psalm we know so well, and we focus normally on the last part to be still and know that I am God. Actually, I want to focus on the middle bit where we read about how there is a kingdoms will fall. God brings desolation on the earth. And God's plan is not that the evil will triumph, but God's plan will triumph. If I asked you, and I'm not going to ask you to do it, but if I was to ask you, what would you write if you wrote about your dream for the world? I wonder what you'd be writing on that dream. Maybe you'd be writing a dream that the world would be a happier place, a place that lives at peace with one another. A, a world where calm is. A world where everybody who needs a job has a job. And a world where everybody who needs food has food. And we would be writing all these kinds of things about our dream for the world. 
And I think I'd be right in saying that all of us would want that kind of world. The challenge we have is how we get to that kind of world. Jesus spelt out some the some things. Earlier in our service, we said the words of the Lord's Prayer. It starts off, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And the next line, it says these, the words, Thy kingdom come. The prayer of the disciples of Jesus Christ is that the kingdom that Christ started will come to fruition. The kingdom that God wants would be the one that happened in his world. Now the challenge is, as we pray prayers like that, your kingdom come, many of us feel powerless to make it happen, don't we? Oh, if we had some power today, how we would change the world, wouldn't we? If we had power today, how we would change this nation? How we would change the politics of this nation? If we had power, but we feel powerless, don't we? And we just watch the TV with ever-increasing anxiety and concern as we read yet again and the stories this week of a child who took her own life because being bombarded with negative things on social media. That's not God's kingdom. As we saw horrendous videos, footage of abuse within a psychiatric hospital, that's not God's kingdom. And we're challenged and we find ourselves challenged. So how can we make a difference? I want to rephrase that prayer. When we change it from thy kingdom come on, in heaven as on earth, on earth as in heaven, I wonder if you would bravely pray, Lord, may your kingdom come in me. May your kingdom come in me. Because... Many of us, most of us, are not powerful enough to change the world, but we can change our world and the world around us. So what does the kingdom of God look like? Well, it looks like a world where decisions and attitudes are led by God and the Holy Spirit, rather than men or women. Can you imagine a world where God leads, truly leads, where God's rule is there at the forefront of everything we do? Could you imagine that world? Sounds great, doesn't it? But it could be your world. If you pray, Lord, your kingdom come, that every decision you make and every action you take and everything you do is led by the Spirit of God. I 
And therefore your actions become spirit-led actions. Your voice becomes a spirit-led voice. And it's not about you looking good, but look God looking good. Remember last week when we were talking about service? We talked about actually the good service is one where God gets the glory. Serving God means God gets the glory. So if God is leading us and his kingdom is being built in us, his values are being built in us. And he is leading us. Then we find our world is a better place. The second thing, very similar, but the kingdom of God is one where Jesus is We have often heard about Christian values being in our politics and in our world. Christian values are only there if Jesus is Lord. That's a tough thing to say, isn't it? Jesus is Lord. And the question we've got to ask ourselves, is Jesus Lord of my life? Is Jesus Lord of this church? Is Jesus truly your life because for God's kingdom to be built the lordship of Christ is paramount and recognize him as the really sovereign of our lives as a nation, we've come out of a few weeks of mourning for our queen, who had, was a great example, but she was never our Lord. As Baptists, of course, we say she wasn't head of our church either. We're not a state church, but I could go on for a little while about that, but maybe not today. You'll be pleased to know. But our, our Lord, our King, is the one that one day every knee will bow to. Republican and royalist will bow their knee to this king. King Jesus. And if we're going to get away from empire building, it comes when we actually bow our knee before Jesus Christ. The third thing about God's empire, it's a virtual kingdom rather than a stately palace. In this world we see empires try to prove their worth by building bigger and bigger palaces and showing the great wealth of an empire. And whenever a world leader looks like they're in trouble, they have a parade, don't they, to show how much power they have. Be that in Russia or North Korea or Great Britain, there's always a parade to show power and wealth. The kingdom of God 
It's bigger than all these empires. But it should not be shown in wealth and opulence. The kingdom of God is shown by millions of disciples getting involved in active love and service for the vulnerable. Showing God's love through action. When Jesus walked this earth, he didn't want a whole building built to his memory. And I think there's Christians, we've got some confessions to make about all the gold and that which we have laboured. Jesus wanted to care for the lame, the blind, the hungry, the homeless. The empire of the kingdom of Jesus is one where he is shown to be at work, not a statue of status. And so in this upside-down world, we find that we are becoming countercultural. The Church of Jesus Christ has always been countercultural. It's interesting from the New Testament times, they were in trouble for things they stood up with, which were against the culture of the world. And today, the church should still be countercultural. And sometimes I think the church spends too much time trying to fit in and look low different from the world outside. But we have a distinctive message. We have a distinctive message. And that message is the one that comes from Jesus Christ himself, from our Lord, breathed by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible itself talks about in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, training, and rebuking. This is the manual for the kingdom of God. This is the manual that God wants to see come alive in his church and every part of it. And some parts of the Bible will offend the world outside. But it's still what God longs to happen. It's also a story of an imaginable welcome. An imaginable welcome. When Jesus was walking this earth, we always think about he had 12 disciples, they were his friends. And you get a feeling if you want one of those 12 disciples, you were outsiders. But no, we know Jesus had many, many more friends than that. And he would go around and he would invite. And he would invite. And his disciples were taught to go and invite. I like Andrew in the New Testament, the disciple Andrew. Every time we come across Andrew, he says, come and see. Come and see. Because they wanted people to see Jesus and experience Jesus. There were those who felt children were inappropriate to be in Jesus' presence because Jesus was an important rabbi, a teacher. And Jesus said, 
Stop it. Let the children come to me. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the sense that children, adults, the lepers, the unclean, the misfits, the unwell, were all welcome into God's family. Welcome. Challenge when they got into God's family as they were called to a different way of living. Yes. But it was a living in kingdom ways, where God's ways were the way we came to be. And maybe you're feeling on the outside today thinking, well, God never really let me in. I've just come along to just sit and listen, to hear what is going on. And God is inviting you in to his family. In to his family. Kingdom of God is a kingdom where love, where tolerance, Care are central rather than a place where power is sought. And so in a moment we're going to come to this breaking of bread, remembering the cost that Jesus paid for his kingdom. I just want to share a few more verses of scripture with you as we come to this point. And firstly, I want to share Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. And it says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are feeling down, not feeling encouraged because God welcomes you into his family today. And then the verse that maybe every Christian should commit to their memory and try to work out in their everyday lives. It's very simply this. From Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that passage that Daniel read to us, which is going on about do not worry, do not be anxious. And maybe we've spent our lives worrying and being anxious and worrying and being anxious. The Bible says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. What will be added? Faith. Hope. Peace. Joy. We go around seeking peace. Well, it's in the kingdom of God. We seek joy. Well, it's in the kingdom of God. 
I want to invite you today to seek first God's kingdom. And so we may come to church, we may be a part of church, but have we truly sought the kingdom of God ourselves today? Are we living for his kingdom? Do we want God's kingdom to rule and reign? Because if we do, it's that kingdom that is the only hope for this world, the world in which